trying to get back to it anyway. It's been a while. Welcome to the Life in Red podcast. It's Ryan here. Uh, and very excited about uh, trying to get into some new episodes here. Um, 2022 wasn't the year we hoped in terms of the podcast and definitely took some uh, some breaks and had trouble finding guests. But we're just going to do it with what we can, you know. Uh, my guest today, we talk about sex. So if sex is a subject that gets you uncomfortable, uh, whether that being a man, a woman, a trans person, and a person of the LGBTQ community, someone who's non-binary, um, we try to incorporate it all, but I will say we do talk a lot about heteronormative relationships and sex. So keep that in mind. Um, well, of course, sex is very diverse and it means a lot to uh, different people. This is uh, heavily centered um, around heteronormative relationships. So just wanted to get that off uh, off the ground. But we talk about, you know, gender dynamics, why sex education, especially here in Canada and Ontario, is so, I mean, to put it gently, you know, lackluster. Um, I remember growing up, I, bar- I barely learned anything about sex. And we talk about an embarrassing story that uh happened with my first time because of this um we talk about you know communication um differences between men and women uh power uh, all those types of things that go into sex and our relationships and sort of the dynamics we have um when engaging with partners and potential uh, sexual encounters and there's a lot to go into it and we try to cover as much as possible Uh, My guest is absolutely fabulous, found them on TikTok, uh, and I absolutely fell in love with their channel because I find it so interesting because it's stuff we never talk about or learn. Um, She is a sex educator uh, training, uh, getting her master's, I believe, uh, to be a sexual therapist. Also, podcast host, their TikTok is called After Sex Ed. Please give it up for my guest, Sabrina. Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Sabrina, I have a super important question for you to start this off. That I think a lot of men are wondering. Okay. <laughs> how do we? How do we find the clitoris? Where oh is it? God. <laughs> you had me nervous. Oh my god. I want to catch you by surprise with that one. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, Studying to be a sex therapist. That's why I asked the question. I wasn't trying to be creepy for those listening, uh, but I appreciate you joining me. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I I guess the first thing, uh, uh, first of all, found you on TikTok. So you're on my roster now of people who I admire on TikTok and love their channel and who actually want to be on this podcast with me. So I think it's super cool. So after sex ed, right off the bat, if you haven't checked it out, uh, go follow Sabrina on TikTok after sex ed, because it's super awesome. Did you expect when you first posted your video on TikTok about whatever you were talking about sex related, that it was going to sort of blow up in a way? No. No, like zero, zero. I, uh, I started posting stories on Instagram and on my personal account. Um, and you know, stories disappear after a day and it was stuff that I was learning in school. 
And I just had so many friends saying, this, this is really fun. This is really funny. It's interesting. Why don't you do something, you know, make reels or, and I was like, is that where you dance and you point? Like, I can't, I just can't do that. And then, um, uh, so many other people I knew that were sex educators and people in my program, because I was studying sexual health, were starting TikToks. And I thought, okay, I'll give it a shot. It was actually part of our program, too, was to make a quick video, you know, two minutes and ex- try to take a complicated concept and parse it and make it simple. And our teachers were like, why don't you try TikTok? Anyways, I threw some videos up and I thought it was going to just be my friends looking at it and I was like I don't understand what this is like what is this like people were sharing it and liking it and so no I didn't anticipate I was not prepared (laughs) I'm still not and now you're everyone's sex ed teacher uh, whether you like it or not um I find it interesting so you know you're talking about how quickly it sort of blown up and people were sharing it and people were finding it so fascinating Mm -hmm. and I'm so interested in that because when it comes to sex ed especially as like kids and uh I'm in Ontario so you know woefully lacking in sexual education as a kid Mm -hmm. you know what I don't know if you even have a great answer for but like the dynamic of people, there seems to be an appetite that people want to learn about sex and learn a lot of deeper sex, yet we're mm-hmm. not taught it at all. And we're still in a way sort of society, like in society, not allowed to talk about it in a way. Yeah. What? I don't know. What's going on there? Why? The deal? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it. it's okay. It's Oh, you know what? Hold on a second. Can you hear that? No. My furnace. Okay. Cause I'm in the basement. So uh, this is where I do all my work. Um, it's a, it's perplexing because I, I, it's, it's, I don't even know where to start. There is such an appetite for it. And, you know, I always considered myself a sex positive person, even though I didn't really understand. I didn't understand what that was exactly. It just conceptually, I was like, I think I'm a sex positive person. I'm non-judgmental. I'm a good listener. Like, um, nothing to be ashamed of kind of stuff. And then, you know, I thought, I guess people are just not like that. And I might be alone in that, or maybe that's the kind of company I keep generally tend to be these sex positive people. But the more, I, again, like blowing up on TikTok and people asking all these questions and parents saying like, I want to have good conversations with my kids and husbands and wives saying, I want to have a better sex life with my spouse. Everybody wants to talk about this. So I mean, from a political perspective, you know, you're saying sex ed is woefully lacking in Ontario. It is. It got better and then it got worse, as you know. Like it was, um, we got Ford and he went back to the 1998 curriculum. And, you know, from from an academic perspective, we looked at studies into sex ed curriculum, polls, surveys, especially in Ontario. Like how were parents feeling about it? How were kids feeling about it? what were their, what was their read on the content? Like, you know, uh, were they apprehensive about some issues? Did they not want these things included? I think what was so shocking in our classes was that it was like high, like 90th percentile parents were comfortable with a wide variety of topics, homosexuality, sexuality, being on a, on a spectrum, uh, consent, masturbation, orgasm, things like they were like, fine. And it was something like 94%, like, don't put me down. It was like 90th percentile. And then kids, again, 90th percentile wanted this content. So then I remember being in class or like talking to my classmates and being like, the kids 
the kids want it, the parents want it. What the hell is the problem? Um, and I think it's just an easy way to score political points. Mm-hmm. I think it's just, you know, it's scare, t- it's scare tactics, like, oh, you're going to learn about, you know, sexuality, you know, being diverse, being on a spectrum, there's all these variations, so it's going to make your kid confused and not understand who they are, and then people get really nervous, and and the truth is that they don't really have a great sex education either, so they don't have the tools or the language to be like, that's wrong, you're not going to do that, like, they're just going to talk to my kids about, you know, consent, and understanding their bodies, and understanding their identity, and Anyways, all that to say, I just think that um, sex continues to be this really taboo topic. Um, I find it perplexing some of the time. And then other times I'm like, no, I under-, like, like when you're saying, do I expect to blow up? Like, no, I didn't at all. But then when I kind of zoom out, it's so not surprising. Like, it doesn't shock me because nobody, people don't really have anybody to talk to. And it's. It's fucked up. So did I answer your question? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't even think I did. It was a great answer. And, you know, just get, I know it's a lot sort of worse and more Republican conservative states uh, down south. You have a lot of conversation about, you know, gender affirming care and, and all that stuff. And don't worry, about it. it's all good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably camera issues, technology. Nope. We're um, not touching it. Okay. But, it, you know, in Ontario, while we have this great, sort of percentage i think we sort of play to those scare tactics a little bit um like you said and like especially conservative politicians really sort of uh, it's like an online thing it's like not even like grounded in reality um pushing that aside i'm very curious how does one sort of fall into or want to get into this subject for like a profession what made you want to be a sex therapist um, so I'm, I'm studying to be a sex therapist. I teach sex ed now, um, with a charity. I, what made me want to be it? I, um, I, I've always had this very genuine curiosity and fascination with sex. Like I thought ever to some degree, everyone's like, it finds it very interesting and very fascinating, but, um, I can't get enough of learning about it. And I, I realized that at a really young age, do you remember the Sunday night sex show with Sue Johansson? I never watched it, but yeah, I know who you're talking okay. about. Okay. Well, it started as a radio show and that like I'm dating myself. I was so young. I think I was like in grade six when it came out. Um, and none of my friends were allowed to listen to it, but I didn't really come from a censored household. I didn't come from a liberal household either though. My mom just didn't care. Like she was like, do whatever you want. And I would listen to the Sunday night sex show and I would like take notes. And then I would go to school on Monday and I would just tell everybody like, this is what I learned. Like this is, and none of that was covered in class. (laughs) We didn't learn any of that. Just this like really um, like insatiable appetite to learn as much as I could. And then now that I have some perspective and it's been like years that I've been teaching it on and off, but I've been teaching sex ed for about 10 years now. Um, like the questions that you get about sex, like gender, like boy, girl, man, like gay, straight, old, young, doesn't matter. They can really be broken up into two categories. And one is how do I do whatever? And that's like a checklist. That's like, how do I put a condom on? How do I masturbate? How do I, you know, use a tampon or give a girl an orgasm? They want check, check, check. And then there's, am I normal? 
and there's a and I feel like I lived in Am I Normal for such a big chunk of my adolescence and I know what that feeling feels like and I I I truly in my heart believe that everybody knows that everybody's lived there and I think that's why I have this really big pull towards it like it's so lonely to think like is anybody else like me does anybody else think like I do is anybody else doing these things that I'm doing and then when you like muster up the courage to just ask somebody it's like pretty much yeah everybody's feeling the same things you are you know generally speaking you know we have so everybody's got so much in common and that that shame that you feel about whatever thinking about sex or maybe thinking about the same sex or like anything um at some point i realized like i i learned that like i I don't think I was born to be so ashamed of this stuff. And then, and that's what really made me want to be an educator was that I'm not so, so drawn to the, how do I do stuff? Like, and I can talk about that, but I'm more drawn to the, am I normal? Mm. Because I wanted to know that. And I really want to help people that get stuck there and you can live there for a really long time. And sex is so taboo that that can go on for years. You know what I mean? Um, what was your question? How does somebody get involved? <laughs> yeah. I think um, to sum it up really quickly, I, I think that people that get involved in sex education, sex therapy, sex, anything, and if anybody has any interest in it, you're going to have to be a really good listener. It doesn't matter what kind of anything you have to do with sex, high levels of empathy. And I think I generally tend to be a very empathetic person, and that's what pulled me in that direction was like I'll listen like I just I don't I don't like the idea of people suffering thinking like I'm so weird when you're not like you're probably not you know yeah I say this a lot um on this podcast and to the reference of a lot of things but it, it always sort of applies because I come from this sort of small uh white town where you know, like I said, we didn't get any sex education, really. Um, didn't. <laughs> um, I, I remember the first time when I was about to lose my virginity, I was like, I don't know what to do. So you're going to have to like put it in and figure it out <laughs> from there. Uh, like that's how that was like to the point of just like, I don't, I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. That's sort of what you meant, like, you know, the checklist. But then as I've gotten older and, you know, I've made friends with women and people in the lgbtq community and people who explore polyamory or yeah. um, different sort of open relationships or kink you know yeah. it's sort of like broaden my perspective to all these different things and when you come to that question of what is normal i mean i think everything almost in a sense is normal and to a particular community or yeah. you can find that community so i'm yeah. curious when we talk about that, what is normal? What are some examples or maybe like the most frequently asked questions when it comes to, you know, am I normal? Uh, is, is this normal, this thing that I'm experiencing? I would say for kids, um, like talking to adolescents, like the am I normal really is like watching porn, getting aroused by porn. Like it, like, like are other people doing that? Um, and then like the content of the porn, like, um, like a lot of questions I get, like if you're saying like, I don't know how to do it, like you're gonna have to put it in. Like the, the questions that I get from kids like really often are like, 
Um, you know, do people like, are people laughing when they have sex? Do people make mistakes? Like, does everyone just know what they're doing? Um, and I would say that's very, the, am I normal is there? Like, like, am I going to know how to do that? Like, no, it's awkward. It's going to be awkward. <laughs> and the only way you're going to know is to talk to somebody like, or to talk to the person that you're sleeping with or you, you're intimate with. Um, yeah. The, am I normal really for adolescents? I feel like they're just so lost. You know what I mean? And they're, you're inundated with sexual imagery just about everywhere. So, um, you know, people are like, okay, well, I'm thinking about sex. Uh, but some of the images I'm seeing are like really aggressive and I'm not like that. Like, is that normal? Or, you know, there's lots of kids that tell me they don't think about sex all that much and they have no interest in porn. And we have to remember those kids too, that are like, I have no interest in, you know, casual hookups or anything. Am I normal? Like, so when you don't talk about sex at all, you screw up all different kinds of people because the messages that they're getting are like, there's no, it, it's not nuanced. It's not rich. You know what I mean? There's no discussion or dialogue. I'd say that's adolescence. And then like older people, at least like the way that it's really blown up on TikTok, because I'm, I teach sex ed to, to adolescents, to, to kids and teenagers, but I'm studying sex therapy. So that's a little bit more adult. Um, and it is more adults. So I would say the am I normal adults are like people that have lost their sex drive are like, mm. you know, uh, you know, I've been with my husband and wife for like 10, 5, 10, 20 years. And like, you know, we just like, don't do it that much. Like, am I normal? And like, yeah, like you, you're, you have ups and downs and ebbs and flows and um, all different kinds of things can impact your drive. You know, when people like message me on TikTok and say like, oh, I, I lost my drive, but like, you know, um, I lost my job and then my dad died and now we haven't done it in a year. It's like, what do you think? what do you think? Like, do you think that those things aren't connected? Do you know what I mean? Um, so the answer to the question is, yeah, I feel like it varies by group, but, um, I would say for kids, it's really like really wanting somebody to translate what sex is like, cause they get so many messages from movies and music and porn and stuff. And they're like, somebody translate. Am I like, am I normal? Like, um, if I don't want to do that or like, do I have to behave a certain way? And then like the older people are like, I don't think about sex 24 seven. Am I okay? Like, mm. yeah, you're fine. <laughs> and like, you know, anyways, that's a whole other thing. Like just yeah. the yeah. definition of sex has no nuance. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that. But anyways. Yeah. It's uh, there's a couple of things I want to, I took out from that. Um, but I'll start with sort of like the adolescence. Cause I think a lot of us, you know, even my age, I'm 30 now. So as I was growing up, I, I didn't really have the internet until I was like 16, 17. So yeah. like, the, like we weren't really consuming porn at a super early age. But now I look at obviously kids today, like you can have access to porn like as soon yeah. as you want it yeah. on your iPad, whatever. And I think, but even, even for someone like myself and my age group, uh, we learned a lot about sex from watching porn. Yeah. And as... I, I started getting older and, you know, started becoming more sexually active with different partners, you know, um, there seemed to be like an, almost an expectation. And, I, and I'm only strictly speaking of, um, you know, man, woman relationships here, like yeah, hetero yeah. sex, um, of course, but that it was like, almost like you do doggy style, do a couple pumps, you're done in 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And yeah, yeah, yeah. above that, any sort of attention to particularly the woman was like yeah. really like seen as like, wow, you would do like you do that? Like, yeah. wow. like, no. like it's so interesting. And so, you know, as you're talking to these kids, like, do you sort of find that what they're learning is from porn and then when it sort of breaks the mold of like this like you know women aren't like screaming being like oh yeah, yeah. and like you know men are lasting for an hour yeah plus. like is that the expectation they have and then are they sort of like really taken back when they find out that's not reality yeah i would say so like um you know yes like oh i'm freezing it's distracting me a little bit sorry <laughs> um it's it's more like yeah that they're like i've done it and it's not like that and am i supposed to be doing stuff like that and like really wanting somebody to again like translate porn to them like like yeah like johnny saw a couple pumps flip this way and like everybody's always game you know what i mean and no it doesn't really work like that in real life so i'd say um as far as like talking about porn with kids, cause it comes up so much. Like I, I teach right now with a charity in Toronto about menstruation. Like that's it because the curriculum is very lacking in Ontario. And we talk about, you know, periods and how they work. You know how many times just whoop, segues into sex, porn, this, that you're like, holy crap. We were just talking about tampons like two minutes ago. Um, I tend to really focus on what, on what you're not going to see in porn because that's what that's what's really confusing them so i'll say you know there's a big difference between reality and porn and what you're what you're talking about like it, it wasn't that way for me and i don't want to act that way or she didn't act that way and what does that mean it like this in this is what i'm used to seeing and i say in porn you're not going to see people talking to each other like this is my tiktok people talking people laughing people asking for consent people getting turned down graciously people farting in each other's faces people queefing for christ's sake men losing erections women needing you're not going to see that stuff and that's what makes it real that's the real stuff so when you're saying like it's awkward and oh i don't want to do some of that stuff or she don't want to do it and what does that mean you're talking about real life now like this is real life and you're you, it's like wanting somebody to fill in those gaps so the questions that you have are normal like you know nor, the, the feelings that you're feeling are normal because you're getting you're seeing sex basically a highlight reel and grown-ups you know people in real life you're seeing it now don't really act like that and the stuff that you're talking about where it's awkward or you know we're giggling or whatever that's that's the stuff like that's real stuff so like um Oh my god i lost my train of thought but yeah there is there is definitely like as far as porn and reality is concerned i feel like um porn literacy is greatly greatly needed because um there's only two ways to figure out that porn isn't real you know there's only two ways to figure out that porn is performative and it's you know um you're acting for a camera and as soon as you put a camera in a room people are just gonna behave differently there's only two ways to figure that out and one is sex ed comprehensive sexual health education with a porn literacy unit which we don't have and one is life experience and that's it so and they don't have that so i feel like adults really have this very great responsibility because kids are so desperate like they're just so desperate to talk to somebody and like i said with like the previous comment 90th percentile kids want it like kids are desperate for mentorship like they are they want somebody to talk to them um 
and we're both in it like you can only get this from sex education you can only get it from life experience and people that you know like porn or don't find it problematic or like are neither here nor there about it people that really hate porn uh are in agreement on the same thing like we don't want porn to be sex ed we don't want our kids to look at porn and think that that's real and porn stars are not teachers they are entertainers so um now i don't know back to like why why do we not have comprehensive sex ed in schools like it just doesn't make any sense to me but anyways in answer to your question yes they i find that there's a big disconnect for kids between reality and fantasy and like they really often want somebody to like interpret like is this normal like when i have sex you know i'm not flipping around and doing all this stuff or like do i have to do that like no you know does everyone do that no like is it awkward for everyone yeah and the only way to get more comfortable is to just treat each other like human beings talk to each other you know that's another thing too that um talking during sex they're like do grown-ups talk I'm like yeah yes it's a great time to start talking <laughs> you can and like you know talk about anything talk about how it feels talk about what you like talk about what you don't like you know and what am I saying? You know, adults have a hard time with that too. Yeah, that was going to be my next point because yeah, we're not good at it. You, we were lacking this education for kids, and they're desperate for it, and they're going to all these places to try to find the answers. Yeah, um, and you know, a lot of the times it's up to the parents who are supposed to have these conversations, and one, they're lacking in education. Yeah, which I find so fascinating because you know we had you know, sexual liberation in the sixties with which would have been my grandparents. You know, we had what is it, the feminine mystique, I think was the book. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all sorts of things. And then we had um, you know, the rise of the LGBTQ. Like they grew up so much around this this more talking about and freedom of sexual expression and liberation. Yet we still, you know, they're they're woefully unprepared to to talk to their kids. Maybe it's awkward. Maybe they just they, they don't have the answers. The trope that when you're married, you no longer have sex. Um, Right. But like, you know, my, like I know tons of adults that are much older that the joke, you know, it's, it's the joke. Like once you get married, the woman stops putting out, like, I can't remember. Right. But like so many people say that and it's, you know, it's like, what, what's going on in their bedroom? Do they talk about it? And I don't, to your point just right now, I don't think they do. Like, I don't think a lot of there's obviously people who do, but I think a lot of like the common generalization of of adults and our parents, like, I don't think they I mean, they don't talk about their mental health or anything. So why would they talk about sex? (laughs) Yeah, no, they don't. And it's yeah, like, I feel like so we're actually like we've had I learned this in school. We've had two sexual revolutions so far, like flapper era. And then what you were talking about, like the feminine mystique, it would, would have been like second wave feminism era when the birth control pill came out and they were about 40 years apart. So we're overdue. Like we should be having one or we're in it or something is happening. Right. And I, I feel like Gen Z, like I teach young kids, they are very articulate. They have like, you're right. Like seeing this, these massive leaps forward with the LGBTQ community, um, having the language, to understand, like, you know, to understand their identity, being very empathetic and open. Like, they're great. Um, But it's such a, like, running right in tandem with it is this 
like really archaic curriculum in the school. Like I, I don't understand it. Like it's very rare that, you know, academic like educational institutions are lining up with what's happening in the world. It's just, it's bizarre. You know what I mean? And somehow they're, they're getting these messages. You're right. Like there's these, been these massive leaps forward. And I suppose that's us and Gen X really pushing things to like, you know, legalize gay marriage in the States and or legalize gay marriage here and have, see these great sweeping changes. But I don't like, I don't know. We're really missing it in schools. Like it's really, we're really missing the mark. And there's, I don't, I, it's just largely political. Like, I think it's just, it's so taboo for some people that, that, you know, you can really scare them very quickly. Yeah. I think it's very rooted in sort of religion. Um, And not to say that your religion is wrong. if like sex is something you're positive about, but I mean, you have sort of like the Christian fundamentalism that really controls it in in the United States. And I think that Mm -hmm. does leak up here. Yeah, um, I think the internet and social media in general has just made kids grow up. And I don't say this in a bad sense, but like they just have so much knowledge and information, like adults and, and people in positions of authority and power are just so woefully unprepared for this dramatic shift. Like they just, it's like they're caught flat footed. They don't know what to do. And instead yeah. of reacting in the, in a positive way and being like, okay, like, let's try to, it's like they're sort of like trying to like, no, like let's dampen it out. Like, no, let's put the, you know, put the fire out. Um, because I think to your point, I think we are in the midst of a sexual revolution, but not in the sense of like, in a way we are with like more sexual liberation and things like that. But yeah. gender and sexuality and exploring new things like kink and polyamory, all these different things that people yeah. What if it was illegal for the most part for the most of time, we're yeah. now able to talk about. And yeah. so but I just I don't know. Like it just our establishments and our systems just aren't ready to do that yet. And I I I mean your answer is your mine. I, don't I um I think like this is maybe a part of a larger conversation, like the third wave of the revolution. I or the third revolution, I think will be probably a swing towards um intimacy like people really wanting intimacy and swinging away from casual sex and i think we're seeing that in some ways um like um like hook like hookup culture what am i trying to say here like like in in an age of the internet when everyone is so connected there's a lot of disconnection like people are feeling lonelier than ever and stuff and i do do not think that a global health pandemic helped Mm -hmm. any of that so everyone's shut away from each other and we're like so frustrated with online interactions uh, that I think there's going to be a swing towards wanting something a little bit more intimate and substantial while incorporating LGBTQ this and gender fluidity that and like all of these new rich language and lifestyles and polyamory. Like we're living in this very strange paradox where like, you know, we're seeing, we're talking about sex in ways like, like consensual non-monogamy, Will Smith and Jada Pinkett, like, oh, okay, like that's, everyone's talking about that. And then don't say gay and women can't get abortions in this. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I really feel like socially, um, people want something, but like, 
politically like like they are just no they don't want it um and that's what basically revolutions are built on the people want one thing and though the powers that be don't and then you just push until it bursts so i feel like the states is on the brink of something i don't know how much i want to get into that but it is built on the foundation of sexual tension frustration like that's gonna blow up like i don't know anyways I feel like if you want to predict what the world is going to look like in a bit, just watch how people have sex and watch how people talk about it. I feel like it'll, it'll lead you to what the next wave is going to look like. I have all kinds of thoughts on that. <laughs> Could do a separate whole podcast on that. That's a whole other thing. Oh um, my God. But it's a, it's a, it's an interesting point and like the confusing two realities in a way that yeah. we're living in. Um, do you think it has to do with sort of, I mean, we sort of had like the Me Too movement come forward and, and really emphasize consent. Um, yeah. And now we're even talking about things that are better than consent, enthusiastic consent. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. Night, sure. Whatever. Like, yeah, hell yeah. I want to do it. Right. Like yeah. having those conversations, but we're still under this, um, you know, misogynistic patriarchal society where men are, you know, it's like, it's very transactional. And yeah, I mean, you're on TikTok, you see it all the time with how, People like Andrew Tate and all these other people talk about women and how women and you know you know on my side of men like watching how women talk about men it's like we still have this weird gender dynamic where it's like we're acting one way or performing one way for the internet or or, or society in a way but like in the bedroom at least from my experience like none of the dynamics that were sort of like taught or like brought up in really like play out. And the biggest example of that is like men, it's like, right. Men want sex all the time. And women are like, you know, um, I think you, you said it in a TikTok. It's like the chase in like the. the Pursuer avoider. Pursuer avoider. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. sort of what it is. But in my experience, like yeah. once a woman wants to be with you, like their sex drive is way beyond yeah. anything I could ever like make. And like, that's yeah. been my experience in through my adult life. I, I can't speak for everyone, but yeah. Do you think it has to do with like these weird gender roles that we've been assigned to play? And like, it just doesn't match up with, with what we actually <laughs> want. <laughs> I mean, I, I, uh, I think that men and women are different. Like, I think that we are, and I say that often, but I, I, I think we are like organically or whatever. I really don't like the word wired. Like, I just don't like, we're wired or but how we're socialized really, really matters. All of those things really matter. Like all of the messages that you get about sex. So the am I normal? Like, at least for me, I was like, I don't hate sex. Like that was really what I was basically indoctrinated into believing was that women just don't like it and men need it all the time. Like, and that wasn't how I felt. And I had boyfriends that weren't, um, I need it all the time. Like, no. And in real life, I would have been like, fuck off. Like, so like, you know, enthusiastic consent you're talking about. Like, these are these are things that we learned. So I guess I should back up a second. I taught sex ed for like 10 years on and off. And then in COVID, I finally pursued a graduate uh, graduate level education in sexual health um, in my well into my adult life. So I thought I knew everything it was, you know, the best and then really kind of just surrounded myself with all of it and was like, I have a lot to learn. And I finally had some length. sex changes a lot, you know, like, um, the way that we talk about it and the way that we're socialized. But anyways, um, 
enthusiastic consent, how you were saying, like, it's not just consent, it's enthusiastic. Again, I think conceptually, I understood that from a very young age, that like, you're not, it's not supposed to be this like, okay, honey, get it over with. Like, what is that crap? Like, because I'm, I'm not like that. Like, if I want to do it, I just do like, I like, I want to do it. And then I, you know, feeling so conflicted about, um, what if you, you know, told a guy, I really want to have sex with you, sex with you. Or what if you really like pursued a guy? Would he like think that you're like, you know, cheap or easy or like guys aren't into being pursued? Like bullshit, bullshit. Like that's like, ne that, I just, it's wrong. You know what I mean? So, and I'm not going to say like men love to be pursued and this is what they're like. I'm saying people are human beings. Okay. And like, it really depends on you and your dynamic and your relationship. But if you're telling you know, 50% of the population, uh, if you pursue sex, you're dirty and disgusting and you don't respect yourself, then you're telling the other 50% that you can disrespect those people when they show interest in you. It's fucking ridiculous, you know? Um, yeah. So I don't remember what your question was, but yeah, like the roles, I think that we're, we're taught, um, the way that we're socialized to view gender, each other, power, sex, like all of, all of that matters. And the am I normal crowd as adults, I think are spending so much time trying to unlearn that, you know, that they're like, is it normal that I'm not like, you know, I'm chasing my husband is it normal that like, I'm not so, you know, I'm tired after work and I'm not so into having sex with my wife. Like Jesus Christ, people. Yeah. Like you're not abnormal. You're just, you've just been indoctrinated into thinking it has to look a certain way. And then when it doesn't fit properly, you feel like shit, you know? Yeah. And, and it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing to get through even when you're aware, even when yeah. you, you sort of know these things and you are com communicating, it's still hard to get the brain to, to catch up to like, sort of, yeah. what you know, the anxiety, yeah. the, all the things around it, you know, like if a man can't come, the woman might yeah. sort of take that personally because a man is always supposed to come in 30 seconds. And that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's just, there's so much, um, or, or a man saying, no, what do you mean? I'm yeah. saying, no, do you not want, like, I, that's yeah. just coming from the male perspective, but, hmm. um, you know, there's just, there's so much of it. And even though if you're aware and a, a little more woke, I guess, quotation marks, it's still hard to get the mind to catch up to, mm -hmm. to, to this. Yeah, for sure. God, there was something you said that really, or men think about sex every seven seconds. Like, come on. Like maybe some do, but if you keep telling them that like you think about a cause that's constantly on your mind and you're also inundated with it, like the, you're, the world is basically set up for you. And I think we're seeing, you know, different narratives and different gazes and stuff now. But like if you're blasted with sexual imagery that's for you, catered to you, tailored for you, then maybe, maybe, yeah, like you're thinking about sex a lot, but like those two things are connected you know? And then if you're constantly saying crap like that, I think the thing was men think about sex every 30 seconds. I think I heard that. Like, don't you think you're giving them some ideas? Like, you know, people that men aren't, that aren't thinking about sex every 30 seconds or like, am I, am I weird? Or like, you're like, should I be th thinking about sex? Everything you convince, if you just keep telling people they're one way, I think some people just really believe it. And then, you know, comes back later in their life and they're like, oh crap, I think I have to unlearn all of this stuff. Like there's really nothing wrong with me. Yeah. Anyway. 
I think, yeah, it's, and especially now that we have labels and sort of like different identities associated with different things, mm-hmm. I think, you know, depending on what it is, I'll use the example because I did see a TikTok. I wish I could remember the creator, but talking, it was a guy talking about how he doesn't have a high sex drive. And then it got him to thinking, well, am I asexual? And right. it's like, it's like, you know, it's it's interesting how, you know, now we sort of names to it, but just like how, again, we're conditioned and how we're supposed to think starts to play into like our, our actual feelings towards everything. And it's just, it's a, it, it's a, confuses already i mean like especially like when you're first having sex with someone it's already confusing yeah and then you're trying to learn everything and about this person well at least you're supposed to be yeah and you're like throwing in all these other things like it just makes it so much more complicated and like it's already complicated enough sometimes (laughs) i know right just trying to relax and have a good time and i'm thinking about all this stuff that i'm i i i think that I'm supposed to do how I'm supposed to act and then you're stuck in your own head and you're like well womp womp yeah. <laughs> that wasn't fun um, we talked about like a couple I, I rhymed off a few um but like what are some other I don't know myths or things that you commonly hear that like you're just like this isn't true this is bullshit like you want people to know that like this is I don't know like it's just set the record straight here's the microphone set the record straight on a couple things like i don't i don't know if it's so revolutionary like i had a like i i've had a lot of oprah style aha moments during the program where i was like i i don't think i ever saw things that way and again like studying during covid so i'm not in a classroom not in tutorials i'm just like spinning in my house like what the fuck like somebody talked to me about this which is basically the genesis of of tiktok where i was like I'm just gonna like put this stuff out there like myths about male sexuality it's so funny because um female sexuality and the mystification of all of it and the you know the mystification of the clitoris where is it and women are these complex whatevers and men are these simple like um I think are these narratives that we're all like married to for so long and I was so drawn to like demystifying female sexuality and then the more I was like talking and learning about women the more I was like it's making me really interested in men it's like showing me a lot more about men and how they think and feel and then when I would tell people in my program I think I want to focus more on cisgendered heterosexual male sexuality like I think when I become a sex therapist I'd like to be focusing on that and if I were to pursue this at a higher level like PhD level I would want my research to be in and around there and I cannot tell you how many people in my program god bless them uh practicing in the field are like why would you want to study heterosexual male sexuality it's so simple there's nothing to it it's like it's so it's just like why are we so conditioned to that? So there's one style, like, I guess the myth busting is that you guys are like these simple whatevers. It bothers me. Um, and that you're not emotional, all of those things, you know, like simple, logical, physical, we can compartmentalize our feelings. Like I can't, um, and I don't have all the answers, but there was this Oprah-esque aha moment that I had and I did a TikTok about it. I'm pretty sure you commented on it was this study that it took a bunch of heterosexual men and it was just basically like, what do you want from sex? What does it mean to you? How does it make you feel? And the, the title of the study is called, I want you to want me. And these guys, these men spent so much time talking about what it felt like to be wanted 
Like they were just like sex. This is like she's into it. And she's moaning. And she's groaning. And like she's all. And then I'm like reading it. Like there is virtually no mention of themselves. They're not like I'm moaning and groaning and I'm losing it. It's all she is. That's it. So like this Oprah aha where I'm like, okay, so then can I can I is there a compelling argument to be made here that male sexuality is actually pretty selfless? And that it's a it's generous? Like what does it look like in real life if like she's moaning and groaning and into it like all over you? Um, are you doing stuff for her? Like, is she like, can we try this? And you're like, yeah, like, let's do that. Because in my personal life, again, if you ask a guy to do something, like, it's not like you can't have boundaries, but very rarely do you guys say no. Like, he just seems so willing to be like, sure. And like, you want to know, like, you like that? Okay, I'll try it. Let's try it. So, so like, there's like, you know, parts of my life where I'm like, you know, the way that male sexuality is sold and being really selfish and self-involved and, like, selfish to the point of almost, like, threatening and a little violent even. You know what I mean? Um, and sexual violence exists. But in my personal experience, I, I guess some of the guys I was with were, like, pretty giving. So, like, that wasn't really my, you know, my experience, not all the time. And then the study, you know, I'm reading it and going, okay, so it's, it's not just me then because I can hear what they're saying. And uh, when I made that TikTok and was like, I think that we got it wrong. I think that, you know, men, male sexuality is probably very generous and giving it a little bit selfless. And it seemed to really resonate with a lot of men who were commenting, like, that's me, that's me. Um, and, and I, and I think that's a big myth. You know what I mean? That you're it's just about you and it's about dominating and conquering and all this crap. Like if you just keep telling guys that they're going to just believe it, you know? Um, well, I just to jump in there quick. Oh I yeah, yeah. I'll keep talking. You have to spot me. <laughs> uh, I feel like that again, and going back to that conversation of learning about sex from porn, it's like, that's how we're yeah. sort of like taught that yeah. to be. And then once you, and especially like younger men, like in their early twenties, when you're first sort of like having sex and exploring, like you're probably like that a little bit, a little more selfish. But once you actually yeah. like, you know, maybe have long-term partners or you really start to, you know, want to please women. Cause I think at the end of the day, um, while it shouldn't be the, the ultimate goal, but like having a woman orgasm is like the yeah. ultimate sort of like pride you know like yeah. belt you're just like yes i did and i think that's what it's centered on in a way because you know if we want to we we can climax pretty quickly and like that's mm. just you know anatomy mm. not all the time but most of the time, no, fine, but I like you, you want to please your woman like that's yeah. what you want to do and so yeah you know i think as men start to get older and, and explore i think that's definitely i mean that's the way i feel about things is that like yeah. i want it to be, make it very much centered on my partner because like i'm just happy to be here i'm just along for the ride like i don't really, you know the inner child yeah. in me's like yeah right like let's go <laughs> <laughs> um you know so i want to make sure my partner's happy um yeah and it's about you too you know but like i i really do feel like we're talking about cisgender heterosexual men. Uh, I just feel like you really like to see horny, happy women. Like I think it just make is just makes very happy. I think even if you're not responsible for the pleasure, you like to see it. I think that's a big deal. Like I think it's a very big deal that um, 
Like if it was all about spreading your seed and all that crap, like what would you care how much somebody wants you? So like, anyways, that study had a really big impact on me. And I was like, what if we just started saying stuff like, no, male sexuality is very relational. There's a lot of concern over how the two parts are connecting, which is why they spend a lot of time describing her audio, physical, you know, tactile cues that tell him that she wants, like you're spending so much time talking about what it feels like and looks like to be wanted that it sounds like this isn't just about you. Like it, it, there's a lot of concern over how this person demonstrates arousal. Whereas like, I don't want to say that women don't, you know, I hate like women like this and men like this, but women don't usually use that same kind of language. That's not really what was like coming up in a lot of the studies that I was seeing and reading about female pleasure and desire and stuff. Anyways, that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, and that's why what frustrates me about the internet in particular is like like the, everyone wants sort of like black and white, and they don't allow yeah. room for like nuance and like people are humans. And yes, you're gonna have some men who are absolutely like that, but you're also gonna yeah. have like you know like all three point five billion men. There's like there's gonna be a lot yeah. of fluctuation in the way people achieve but i think one of the biggest things is like um and I, this is another thing i saw on tiktok like give a man a compliment and watch him light up like men just don't receive a lot of recognition in, in terms of like we do maybe like when we chase success or like you know we sort of like yeah have a high status but like yeah. when it just comes to like friends or partners or just like really like intimate day-to-day -day stuff family like a, a lot of the time like we're not used to sort of like people reminding us that they want to be around us and be with us. Like, that's just not what men do. So like, I think that's yeah. also part of it. And that's, yeah. uh, that's on the patriarchy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you're, I don't think you're encouraged to be emotional or be vulnerable or be generous with your feelings and things like that. And you're not really praised or rewarded for having great relationships or being thoughtful and sensitive. You know what I mean? So like, um, what kinds of behaviors get rewarded? Like, I don't know, aggression, like, like stuff like that, like anger. I don't know. Like, um, what was I going to say? I feel like, um, oh, you said something and I really like it lit my brain up and now it's like, can't remember, but something, something with like, you know, you don't have these, you don't have an, an emotional outlet. And I think that's, um, and you don't have these, um, yeah, like these, these feelings, you know, emotions, like um, uh, being emotional has been conflated with being feminine. It's bullshit. It's being um, emotions are human. Okay. Humans need them. Okay. Everybody needs to be emotional, express emotion. And I think that, um, if you don't have any outlets for that, like if you don't have other relationships where you can be emotional and vulnerable and generous and giving and stuff like that, then, then sex becomes the only place where you could do that. Mm. And I think this is probably a big reason why you guys want it so much. Like, um, or it's at least part of it. Like, do you have a place where you can, where you are allowed to just be totally vulnerable? And like, I don't know, like, these are questions that I think men really need to ask themselves. Yeah. Um, I've done other TikToks about that too, and could do a hundred more, you know? Um, but intimacy and sex are not the same thing. They're two different things. I think that women have a might have a better grasp on that because we're not policed in the same way that you are about being emotional and stuff like that. We are police. Our, our emotions are policed. Um, if we're too emotional, we're hysterical and nuts. But like, 
you guys can't show anything. It's just ridiculous, okay? And like the demon, like it's emasculating to show the slightest bit of empathy for another person. Um, anyways, I forgot what I was gonna say, but intimacy and sex are not the same thing. And I think that uh, men are really struggling because of that. You can be intimate with a woman and not, it's not sexual. You can be intimate with another man, you know? You, you can be intimate just by anybody. Like, it's about being vulnerable. It's just about having a good connection with somebody. And not everything, it doesn't have to be sexual. Not everything has to be sexual, you know? And that's, that's the foundational problem, really, with everything, is that sex generally tends to be the only place where you guys can go, or you're allowed to be anything other than, you know, with dominating and bullshitty and and then you're just chasing it around all day i mean it, it makes some sense to me but it's a great question i, I digress <laughs> it's a really great question and yeah. uh something i'm definitely going to think about did you see it was making the rounds on tiktok i literally just did a video did a video like 30 minutes before we came on here i'm about like that psychological psychology today article the rise of single lonely men yeah and i think yeah. that's um you know, it's part of it. It, it comes yeah. to the, 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 the dynamic of relationships and, and everything, but also in sex that we we almost don't have the skill set in order to have like a fulfilling sex life in a lot of ways. Um, just putting parsing out the whole sort of relationship side and communication side, but like communication, like you said, intimacy, all that also comes into sex. And we yeah. also can't really form that in a lot of ways like we even on myself like I have trouble asking for like what I want because I don't know I've never based it upon like my own needs and so like I don't know you just mean generally just generally yeah but, like in yeah. sex as well like I don't I'm just again happy to be here um so I've never asked myself what do I actually like what don't I like yeah um, and I think like the communication and the intimacy and all that stuff and like men also struggle in the aspect of sex around that too yes so a question yeah <laughs> i would agree with you i mean the why is a single lonely man i have like so many thoughts and then i want to make a video but i'm like they they are coming for me on tiktok i got in big trouble i don't know if you know because i talked about porn and self-care and I don't know if you're gonna maybe if you do a clip, don't put this one because they'll come they'll come for me again, these no fappers who I don't even know who these people are, but they were like I said that pornography and masturbation was self-care and and it's okay. And these no fap bros were like, you're trying to destroy masculinity. What the hell? I don't even know what you're talking about. Like I couldn't even make the connection. I had to like go on the internet people on my instagram were like sending me articles they're like girl they're gonna they're gonna get mad i was like who are these guys anyways the rise of single lonely men i want to comment on i'm just scared <laughs> these guys so, are gonna come for me so men were coming at you like by saying like masturbating is like a mask like it yeah statement. yeah like okay so i like i don't know enough about no fap to be this okay. like okay so but do you know what fapping is it's just jerking no. off yeah oh, so okay. So, so there's a whole nofap movement where, where men just stop masturbating entirely, but they stop watching porn. So they really blame porn, um, for, for locking them away from themselves. But I don't know. And they're just like jerking off all day and they can't have relationships. So like they, they don't masturbate and they stop watching porn entirely because it's just destroying, it's just destroying them. So 
like porn is extremely polarizing. Like I get it. It elicits a lot of strong emotions in people. Sorry, let me close that. Um, but all I said was that, and we learned this in my class was like, and I didn't really need it to be like, if you are watching porn and masturbating, that's its function. It's serving its function. So porn with a purpose is, is important. Like if you're like, I'm watching it, I'm getting aroused and jerking off and going to sleep. Like, okay, that's the purpose that it's at. So if that's not happening, if you're watching porn and not masturbating, we were taught that this is a very big red flag. And that makes sense to me. Like, and I don't, I don't really, I'm not done the class yet, but at first I was like, huh? And I kind of like marinated with it for a bit. And it's kind of like, why? it's supposed to serve a function and the function is self-care and most human beings when they're looking at porn that they like that's of their taste they will get aroused it's like as close to 100 percent as you can get like we like to see that so that's what i was just saying it's it's a normal part of your sexuality to be aroused by that it's your self-care doing it in tandem together it's concerning if you're not masturbating and looking at like anyway so these no fap guys got really mad at me and they were like they're basically like purposely not masturbating and, and staying away from porn because they basically blame porn stars for like, like ruining their, I don't know, strength. Like they're weak because of these, like, it's so stupid. Just, I don't know. You're a guy you figured it out. Okay. Like I can't do the mental gymnastics where I was like, you're mad at me. I think it's like another tier of like the insult community. It is. It is. Blame, insult yeah, you're blaming yeah. women for your you know who know there could be many reasons it could be mental illness addiction yeah um, like oh, i i don't know if porn addiction i i think it's a thing but this is what pissed them off okay i'm just gonna say okay, go <laughs> i learned in my class that porn addiction does not exist is what they said okay, okay. and that and that and i should prep i should have prefaced that by saying that porn addiction is extremely co uh, controversial in the sex therapy community, in the mental health community, and in the addictions community, okay? People are, are fighting it out t today. Like it's not exploratory might. And a lot of the research that we looked at was like March, 2022. Like it's now that we're trying to figure out if, if this is really a thing. They're looking at dopamine this and neural pathways that or whatever, right? Um, but porn addiction does not exist with something that I said that I learned in class and that and that um, it really comes down to a moral incongruence. So it's like you hate yourself for looking at it, uh, but you just keep doing it. And then you we are trained to be like, OK, what is it about it that's upsetting you? Uh, why do you think you can't look at it? And there's a very high correlation. I'm sorry, I'm getting really academic and blah, blah. Love it. Love okay. it. <laughs> and I'm still learning, so I'm not a professional. There's a really high correlation between religiosity and this moral incongruence and it's it's just so great that the sex therapy community is like there's just a very big relationship between like being taught that porn and masturbation is very shameful and people self-reporting as porn addicts like it's such a big correlation that there's a lot of hesitation to say you're addicted I, it, we they just are mostly saying it's it's a you have a moral dilemma like this is, this is what's great that said Lots of people disagree. They have landed, the sex therapy community has landed on sexual compulsion. And again, I'm not really a pro in this, so, and I'm still learning about it, but a compulsion is different than an addiction. I'm not sure exactly how, but it's just different. Um, and I'm still, 
I would say that I'm not super happy with this feel like that this area because I feel like I didn't realize it was so unresearched. Like I find the definition not so not so great. Anyways, I don't even know how we landed here, but in the middle of science. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Porn addiction. You were saying something about um well, yeah, just, you know, we, themselves. We, yeah. We blame women um, yeah. for this. And maybe it is because we can't hold relationships or yeah. you know, it doesn't even have to be related. Like your girl left you and you internalize that you watch porn. I, I know there's like this this comedian bit where they joke about like you're watching porn and then it escalates to like the most dirtiest thing as you become aroused. Then when you finish, you like, yeah. you're like, why did I watch that? That's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, what is happening? But it's just like, I think it, it comes down to just men um, not being healthy with themselves and looking for a scapegoat and yeah. everything else. They want to blame women for some of their, their shortcomings. A hundred percent. And in this video, I don't know if you saw it on TikTok, where I talked about healthy porn consumption, which got them so mad. I said one of the ways to have to have a healthy relationship with porn is that is that you recognize that uh, people that get involved in porn uh, aren't doing so. Or the lots are not getting involved in porn because they're screwed up or fucked up. Like you don't have to be a shameful, dirty person to be able to do that. Some people just like it. Okay, they don't have a problem with it. And the reason that that's so important for people to understand, particularly men, is that you're not projecting on them. Like, you're dirty and you've made me dirty and like, wow, I hate myself. You know, like, no, you're like, I can respect that you do this. That's your job. Okay. And you're still a human being. And like the concern would be that you're like thinking that these people are really dirty and disgusting and that in that you know you kind of use them and discard them and like you're using them for arousal and you just kind of like okay well this this one's a slut i don't know uh, she's gross and then like are you going to do that in real life to people are you going to do that in real life to sexual women like women that want you like are you going to think that sexual desire or sex is just shameful and dirty like that's the scary bit like that's what people need again particularly men need to understand because as far as porn addiction is concerned it's like very rarely women and very rarely LGBTQ people that are saying they have a porn addiction problem. It's basically exclusively uh, heterosexual white men. Yeah. The trifecta. You know? Yeah. I'm happy to fall in with those. <laughs> God damn. Uh, honestly, and I, I am one and I don't understand it, but it's so interesting that like yeah. these men, these incels or the fapper, whoever, um, <laughs> are like so against against this and against women and against sex work yet yeah men, i would probably guess is like a 99.9 percent of who is like the funder like we are yeah. supporters of of these creators on only fans and porn yeah. all these different like we're the ones like we're the consumer we're the supporting the economy yet we're sitting there like bashing and yeah. coming down and dehumanizing all these different things yet where like it's just i and i think it comes from an internalized guilt it comes from yeah. an internalized misogyny and all these different things and it's just men not being able to i don't know deal with things in a healthy way for sure like i the messages you get about sex are important the messages you get about gender are important so like if if women are you know not allowed to pursue so 
women don't even like sex and men need it. Like you're getting indoctrinated into thinking women aren't sexual. We are. And then like, you know, further steps in that same direction is now we're talking about sex work where women could be having, you know, engaging in sex work, not because they're fucked up because they just like, like to perform on OnlyFans. Jesus, you know? And I think a lot of it has to do with consent. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know how to articulate it properly, but, like, I saw this one stupid TikTok where this guy was like, women are okay with being objectified uh, as long as you, like, start paying on OnlyFans or something. And I was like, what are you not understanding here? Like, she has control and consent, and she's making money. Like, what's what's the problem? Like, I think, I don't know, like, I don't know how to articulate this completely. It's like, it seems to me that the issue you have is that she's got power in that in that role really don't like that okay you want to objectify her when she has none and is scared and vulnerable but if she's got control and power and money you really don't like it Mm. like why do you keep funding it you dumb i don't get it like oh my god just ripping apart adult stars like a lot of like the guys in the comments were like they're they're hoes and they're this and they're talking about them in a way like I feel like you've been looking at their shit for a while. Okay. Like, you know, you're the one who's funding this endeavor. Like what? Like, anyways, I don't know if I'm articulating properly. I think that's the moral incongruence that keeps coming up in sex therapy that they're like, "Mm, I have a hard time saying it's porn addiction because these guys just straight up hate women and themselves for wanting them. It's like fucking weird. I'm glad you said that. Cause that, yeah. Like that's a profound point. Like that might I don't want to put that the maybe the social media because that's going to bring the attention. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> but it, it's true, because, and and it is about power and and consent because you know there are tons of relationships and women. I I don't know if tons is the right word, but like women do enjoy sort of like a dynamic with their partner, uh, kink and non kink, where yeah. it's like there's a dominant and they they like that. But it's consent. They're justified because they like it and they're safe. Yeah. Love this person, or they're at least they're into this person. And like that's the key. That it's not about objectification, it's about consent. And it's it's just sorry, I'm gonna No, but you're right. It's about like the power and that like the women has the power in that situation bugs the shit out of these guys yeah yeah and that and you're right that they hate themselves for liking it and and you just nailed it for me like that was my oprah moment okay (laughs) (laughs) but the like the domination stuff i remember doing a video on bdsm and got it's some guy i ended up deleting his call or whatever god was on instagram i don't remember was like all these girls crying about getting beaten up or whatever fucking me too and then you're like wanting to get like whipped like this is what i were conceptually i think i understood things from a young age but just didn't have the language and then it's it's consent buddy like there is a very big difference between sexual domination and sexual assault what the fuck are you not understanding like why is that so hard somebody wanting to be sexually dominated is okay if if you want the, the difference between that and abuse is is fuck okay I'm gonna swear it's motherfucking consent that you can go that long in life and not understand the difference between the two you know like do you want to do you want to please somebody or do you want to hurt somebody I, I don't get it but anyways no. but I'm, like, I'm curious and I don't know if you know the answer but this is something I've talked about before um, and if you don't know the answer that's okay but there. They're seeing there is this sort of like women who 
were maybe abused or sexually assaulted, raped, um, who do sort of find themselves maybe enjoying um, mm. dynamics of canker with their partner. And part of that, of what I've heard from people um, is about, like, it's about getting power back. Like they say, yeah. power back. Like, I don't, is there science to that? Is there anything in sort of your story? I'm not super comfortable talking about that. Like I I have some things that I have learned that I think can kind of lend themselves that I just don't want to be learning and um like rape is not about sex, it's about power, you know, and it's about taking power. And I think a lot of people don't understand that. So when you say things like, oh, why were you wearing that or dressed like that or walking there, like you're making it sound like it's a sex. You know, like it, this is about robbing that person of their control and power. And then you're not aroused by consent. You're aroused by the lack of it. You're aroused by fear and intimidation. Like that's what you want. So I can see like the intention for those people, predators, is to intimidate somebody and, you know, they're aroused by, again, the lack of consent. And they're aroused by taking that power from somebody. So I can see why somebody who's been abused is seeking out these scenarios where they can get it back, almost reenacted in a way. And, like, this is something that I learned, like, again, this is something I learned very quickly uh, is, is, PTSD, like post post traumatic, whatever. After a sexual assault, I think people expect everybody to act a certain way. Mm-hmm. It's not that simple, okay. And I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say the wrong thing, but I'll just say what I whatever. Um, people expect people to act a certain way. That and it, p- p- things are rarely like that, okay. People are complicated. Um, and if you can picture three lanes, okay. If we're talking about a woman, um, particularly a heterosexual woman sexually assaulted by a man, picture those three lanes. There's hypersexual, hyposexuality, there's neutral, and then there's hypersexuality. So uh, we police women's sexual morality. Like, don't wear that, don't drink that, don't go there, don't say it. Blah, blah. Like, so you're like led to believe and taught to believe that you've elicited this terrible thing, right? Hyposexuality is like no desire for sex like you don't want to engage you don't want to be seen as a sexual being whatsoever in this context so i think that when people think about sexual assault and trauma i think that as a society we've been conditioned to thinking into thinking that women will fall into hypo automatically that you're never going to want to engage with a man again and that you will we shame women regardless so never mind somebody who's been abused like but it goes double for an abuse victim. That's the language that people use a lot. Like you of all people should know, like you shouldn't be out there drinking, dancing, like not, right? So the person that did that to you gets to control your sexuality for the rest of your life. That's power, that's it, you know? So I can see why somebody would swing hyper and act out in a way where they're constantly trying to get that power back. So that doesn't necessarily mean BDSM, but that just means, Putting yourself in situations, it's definitely not BDSM because BDSM is, and that's a different thing. But I can see somebody swinging hyper in an attempt to get some of that power back. The person that did that to me doesn't get to dictate how I act. And I'm going to, I'm in control of this and I'm going to be so sexual. Like you're going to be, you would be shocked to learn like, oh my gosh, she was abused. Like she just seems so like sexy and powerful because sex is power and rape is a power grab. That's what it is. Right. And then neutral sexuality is somebody that's kind of reconciled these feelings and is getting held, whatever that looks like. And that's a little bit different, but hypo and hyper, 
Um, and, and people, all of that to say that I feel like if we just had a simple class of some kind where we, again, comprehensive sexual health education, where you can sit people down and say things are not so, like, people do not all behave the same way, okay? Like, there, there's hypo, there's hyper, there's this, there's that, there's masculinity, morality, all of these things matter. That if people could just grasp that we like we would understand how to spot it better in our friends and our you know relationships and our whatever that you be able to see the signs of somebody's behavior being very different and you're like okay maybe something happened and i can be helpful and they can talk to me but anyways all that to say um as far as like i can i can see why somebody would want to act things out to get power back and i and if it's controlled and there's consent, I think that healing and getting better looks the way that you want it to look. As long as you have power, like as long as you're not being hurt, as long as you have control and there is consent, people are rarely very simple. Does that answer your question? Like I know that was a lot of information. <laughs> I think you answered that in a way better than I could have hoped because I know you were a little hesitant off the start and you were yeah. trying to tiptoe a little bit, like yeah. not get in trouble or hurt anyone's feelings, but you articulated that in a way where now I understand, like I, I knew the answer was nuanced and complicated. Yeah. It's not a straightforward answer, but I think for mm -hmm. a lot of people, um, those three lanes, those three avenues and like, I'm sure it can fluctuate between like maybe you're hypersexual one week and hyper yeah. the next and trauma as a mental health advocate trauma and ptsd are incredibly complex and yeah. mm -hmm. you never know how you're going to feel and how you're going to react and i think that goes for the same so thank mm. you for giving the best possible answer you could oh you're welcome and if you're curious because again we treat men and women differently picture those three lanes and now it's hypo masculinity and hyper masculinity so if a man is sexually assaulted, what generally tends to happen if you have these lanes is he's either hypo, does not want to engage. What does masculinity look like? Does not he's not confrontational, does not what does not want to be a threat, does not want to engage with men whatsoever. Hypo masculine and there's hyper masculine. What does that look like? Overcompensating, picking fights, super angry, like then there's neutral and hopefully that man is getting help. But we police women's sexuality, we police our morality. And we police your masculinity and then it manifests in these ways that um it's not it's not easy for us if we keep getting locked into these stupid roles that don't fit and we keep getting told we have to be a certain way and we keep policing everybody yeah it's throwing everybody up you know yeah it's it's really frustrating <laughs> and yeah. you see it everywhere like we're talking about sex but you see this yeah and every facet of our being and online discourse and dialogue and we just sit here going around in circles arguing about these things it's like just like you know just break free i just want to break free <laughs> so that's how, <laughs> there's people like you and others who are just sort of like trying to break that mold yeah and, and just give people like facts and, and and you know information i was gonna ask you a question about like sex 101 but i'm gonna pivot so the, the last okay. thing i sort of want to end this on because i think what I've gathered from this conversation is sort of like a lack of, um, we just don't talk to one another in a lot yeah. of ways about everything, but especially um, as hetero people, like men and w women, um, we, we don't talk about 
sex. So like for most of the people who listen to my podcast are, are primarily um, women and they're primarily between the ages of 18 and 34, um, sort of going into 45 as well. We want I want people to know how can we have a healthy con- a conversation about sex and maybe we're scared to initiate it. Maybe we're scared to talk to our partner or talk to other people about it. Like, I, I don't know if there's a perfect answer for it, but just yeah. my opinion, like, how do we go about initiating a healthy conversation about sex with somebody? Anybody? Like, your kid? Your let's friend? Start with, let's start with kid, and then let's go with partner. Okay. I mean, okay. So, sex positivity. Do you know what that is? Yes. Okay. For those who don't know. Okay, so for those who don't know, like sex positivity, again, this is one of those things, Oprah aha moment, where like, understood what it was conceptually, didn't have the language until I'm in this program. I'm like, okay, that's it. That's me. That's what I am. And I've always been that. I like to think, okay, so sex, sex positivity has a lot of components. And this just like all things in sex, I think people don't understand it. So they tend to think like, oh, sex positivity means you're having sex with everybody. Like, no. That's not what it means. doesn't mean you're just like, I have casual sex. There's nothing wrong with casual sex. But people just don't understand what it is. I like to see it in three parts, okay? Sex positivity. And just if use this as the foundation for all conversations. I would say start here, okay? Sex positivity. Um, number one, sex is not inherently shameful. So this dichotomy of you're bad if you do it and you're good if you don't. And you're dirty and you're clean or you should be punished or rewarded if you don't, is man-made. You're socialized to think that. Wanting sex, desiring it, thinking about it, um, uh, is a perfectly natural and healthy part of the human experience. So if you want to talk to me about sex, I'm not going to shame you. Okay? Like, nothing to be ashamed of here. Number two, sex serves multiple functions, one of which is pleasure. So this, like, sex is for making babies, um, we make babies, that's for sure, but it's that's reductive and it reduces men to sperms and women to eggs. And you, when you talk about sex that way, sex is for procreation and blah, 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 you take the humanity out of human sexuality. We are pleasure seeking people. Uh, that's a normal part of the human experience. We seek out pleasure in so many different ways art, music, dance, sport, but why not sex? Okay. So, sex serving multiple functions, one of which is pleasure is again perfectly healthy and natural um, and pleasure bonds us. So if sex is about pleasure um, and not just about making babies, then it wouldn't confuse you that two women or two men want to do that. You understand that because it's a fun activity. And of course, women wanting to have sex and not wanting to be a baby, having a baby also doesn't puzzle you. Women having sex for pleasure is like, yes, okay? Sex serves multiple functions. Number three, Bodily autonomy is the most important thing, okay? So again, this dichotomy of dirty and clean doesn't exist. It's consent or no consent. So you are not about nothing. As far as sex is concerned, um, you are not good or bad. The only thing that makes you a good or bad a bad person when it comes to sex is if you're forcing yourself on people. That, that's it. So what you decide to do with your body is the most important thing. And the, the decision to have sex and the decision not to have sex is a personal and private one and it doesn't you don't owe anybody any explanations or apologies for feeling either way both of those are valid because that's your body okay you get to do whatever you want with it that's it that's sex positivity in my in my mind is the most important thing um 
sex is not inherently shameful, sex works multiple functions, your body, your choice. That's it. Okay. And I, I talking about sex with a child, like a kid, an adolescent, a teenager, I think those three components are extremely important because if you're out there judging, they're not going to tell you anything. Okay. And that's the problem with parents is that they're like, I want my kids to talk to me, but like lots of well-intentioned parents are not, are not thinking about those three things. You know, they're, they're judging or really uncomfortable with the idea of their kids seeking out pleasure, even masturbating, which is an entirely victimless crime. (laughs) You have blanket consent to your body. Okay. Like, Better you figure yourself out before you start, you know, expecting somebody to figure you out. Um, But as far as sex conversations with your partner is concerned, I don't like, hopefully, hopefully the two of you are understanding those three components. That's, that's the hope. It's not always the case, you know? And I think if you're indoctrinating people into thinking, especially this, this paradox, this dichotomy of clean and dirty, um, particularly for women and that's you know I'm a woman and I have a lot of empathy for women when you're told that you know it's dirty bad don't wear this don't dribble you know constantly police you're not even allowed to like sex and get married and want to switch flips it's, it's just not like that so I think keeping those three things in mind always when talking to anybody about sex a friend kid a partner but also like if you believe in those three things like you believe in it then you are sex positive and it's implied that you're not judging them. Like if, you know, if it's your body and this is what you like thinking about it this way, sex, like sex stores, multiple functions, one of which is pleasure, um, a pleasure based activities like masturbating, for example, your partner, do you want them to masturbate? Do you want them to tell you, um, what they do to themselves so that you can do it too? Like, are you, are, are you that open mind? That's a good thing. You know what I mean? So I guess like, keeping those three things in mind and then trying to be as patient and non-judgmental as you possibly can. It's a difficult question to answer. I can give you the academic one with my three parts and build it on that foundation. But I mean, really, really listening to your partner, like they know, do you know how, do you know what it takes for them to feel heard? Like, I know that's a weird question, but, um, not to like plug myself, but I made a worksheet. It's on my website. You can download it free. It's totally free. It's just to build intimacy with your partner. And I sent it to a bunch of friends and even like followers and was like, hey, poke holes in this. And a big one was I like I need to know that I'm heard and there's certain ways that I need my partner to ignore. Like that's how I know that he or she or they are listening. So when you understand your partner, like how what it feels for like for them to be heard properly like you're not judging you're patient um whatever like that's how you're gonna be able to have conversations about sex like i am babbling sex is rarely about sex okay like it's stop talk about the other side like talk about how you feel your alone time your energy like um you know the things you like to do for fun like talk about stuff like that like sex again <laughs> i know like babbling is rarely about sex it's you there's usually other stuff going on you know i totally didn't answer that no, that was a great <laughs> you're gonna have to edit some of the ramblings out never i never oh. a podcast that's what they're for okay I ramble away um it was really great uh it just it had me there's so many things i want to touch on but i've already kept you a little longer than a uh an oh. hour so um maybe we'll have to do it again sometime but until then <laughs> 
where do people find you? Where do they find After Sex Ed? You can find me on Instagram at After Sex Ed. You can find me on my website at www.aftersexed.com. TikTok, which is my biggest base, I had to change my name because those fappers came for me. So I'm After SX Ed. So I took the E out and that seemed to be okay because TikTok got super mad at me. Um, but if you were to Google After Sex Ed, it's a really find me um, pretty easily. And I have a YouTube channel as well. And I have a podcast. I'm on Spotify. I'm on all the stuff. But I, like I said, I tucked her in for a bit. She's sleeping. I think I'm going to resurrect her soon because that was my that was my first love. I also have a dream background. So this is a marriage of my two favorite things. Love it. Um, <laughs> and we're so thankful to have you because uh, – as much as I love your TikTok, I love this conversation even more. So thank you very much for uh, lending your time and expertise to this. Oh, you're welcome. Anytime. Anytime. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.